Hello, everyone. My name is Kina Newell. I'm a financial coach and I work with professional women and solopreneurs to create new possibilities with their money. If you are tuning in right now, you are joining me for Money Files. So welcome. Hi, thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Money Files. I am so excited for you to listen in on this candid conversation between me and my client, Lourdes. Lourdes and I started working together back in 2019. She was a 1099 employee or contractor. So if you are someone who has experienced fluctuating income or you are experiencing fluctuating income right now, whether that's in your personal life or in your business, you'll definitely want to tune into her story. She just gives a unique perspective to the work and she is almost two years into rewriting her money story. So hope you enjoy. Hi guys. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Money Files. I'm here today with my client, Lourdes. We've worked together Gosh, almost a year and a half ago is when we started working together. So, Lourdes, you can go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Lourdes. I am a Durham, North Carolina resident now, but formerly lived in Washington, D.C., where I was an educator, teacher, school leader, and then morphed into a school consultant. Now I work for an organization called Education Pioneers and I'm their managing director of talent. I think this will be an interesting spin because I feel like I've worked with a ton of educators and I would say, say like having been an educator myself, like money mindset when it comes to being in the field of education. But talk to me a little bit more about like one, what made you reach out and even how like money maybe even your view of money has changed as you've like gone from these different roles within education? Mm, Yeah. So, so great question. So I reached out via one of our colleagues and friends because I was talking to her about my goals and they weren't just money goals. They were just overall life goals that I wanted to concentrate on for 2019 and really see what kind of growth and what type of possibilities I could create for myself. Interestingly enough, the possibility of creating a budget was on that list of goals, which now seems minuscule to the type of money goals that I have currently. But it was definitely a feat, one that like included some adaptive and technical challenges, some handholding from Yukina. And I, I think I came into those conversations with the belief that one, like I didn't have enough money and that yes, like in education, you don't make as much money as everyone else. So really with a scarcity mindset, because I now believe that like, it's not only about how much money you make, but what you do with that money. And luckily, like throughout my career, I have been able to gain more and more money. Negotiation is key. And then just believing that like you can do things with your skills and expertise in different positions and roles within the education space, should you like to, right? Like some people love to be in the classroom. I also thought that I didn't have the discipline or the time to budget because I had tried it before and I wasn't successful a cycle of stress around money and budgeting became the underlying sentiment there. And then, Kina, when I met you and was connected to you, I was a 1099. And that was the first time in my life that I was a sole proprietor. I had to think about paying taxes to the federal government before they actually pay me or even think about how they won't pay me. come March and February of the following year. So I think that 
felt that felt like trial and error being a 1099, just having to think about how do you manage the money that's coming in? When do you know that the money is coming in? And how do you stay prepared for the unknown? And to me at that point, the unknown was what? I got to pay the government taxes? Quarterly payments? What is that? (laughs) (laughs) You've given me so many things to talk about, which I love that you like underscored that like at first the possibility was like creating a budget, but the shift in like what the first financial goal was, and then like now kind of what that looks like for yourself, we're probably going to work backwards. I want to dive into like the 1099 fluctuating income and just die. Like, I feel like a lot of people that are listening are like, well, what do I do when my income is fluctuating? Or maybe there are people listening that they are thinking about stepping out on their own, whether it's business or they, you know, you want to be an independent contractor, but speaking to like what shifted for you in terms of like it, not just being trial and error, but how did you learn to manage your money? When are you getting paid? Like, how did you start saving for taxes and really like, I'd assume you kind of got out of that stress cycle that you talked about. Yeah, eventually with a lot of your support and a lot of conversations about knowing what's coming in and what's going out. So I I think like for anyone, 1099 W-2, you want to account for every single penny that is coming in. So the, the technical aspect of creating and balancing what I know to be a zero sum budget became critically important. And then those inputs, because they varied so much, I needed to be very detailed and intricate about tracking them. So knowing that like, if I did a job January 23rd to the 27th, that in 30 days, I will be paid out for that. And just getting very granular about that. How much did it cost? Or how much am I getting paid? How much do I need to take out for taxes? How much do I need to account for the per diem that I was receiving? And any travel costs that came out of my own pocket as a businesswoman or as a consultant. And so I think before working with you, I knew that all of these elements were at play but did not know how to organize them in a way that add here, subtract here, ensure that you account for this and consider that as well, right? So the equation was like very broken um, and fragmented. And then being able to consider all of those items in one big equation in the budget meant that like, I now know all the inputs and all the outputs. I think that like what you're speaking to is key. I wrote down in my notes, like don't leave any number untouched because what we talked a lot about, I remember in the beginning was like, okay, Lourdes, how much do you need to be paying yourself? Like what are your personal expenses and being really clear on that, whether you're listening and you're an independent contractor or a business owner, it's really important to know how much do I need to be paying myself? Because I've done contract work as well when I was teaching, which it was like, oh, I got $1,200. And it really could feel like extra money. But when that is your main source of income, the $1,200, like, okay, well, let me set aside for taxes and put that in a separate bank account. I know that's like one of the things that we worked on was like, this is the percentage that you're always going to set aside. And then also 
because we worked on identifying your personal expenses. It's like, what do you need to pay yourself month to month? When you have higher seasons where you had more income, how do you save some of that like a little ant, <laughs> not like a grasshopper? So that that way, like you could breathe easier. And I, I think I remember one of your cycles being that like in December and January, the work lulled a little bit. But we talked like very proactively about like, okay, this is going to be the money that covers you in December. This is the money that covers you in January, which I think takes really a shift in, well, one, like planning ahead and then just like being able to see money differently and not like you get $10,000 and you're like, yes, I have $10,000, but you haven't thought about like next month, you're only going to have three. Yeah. I'm nodding my head and just like, Tackling in the back of my mind too, because when you mention like, you know, the excitement that one could feel once they get like $1,200, right? Or sometimes it would be like close to $6,000 in one check. Whoa, like so exciting. But that adaptive piece, that like emotional shift that you were talking about really resonated with me because now I look at a check or even at that point looked at a check and thought to myself, no longer is this exciting. And and not to say that like money isn't exciting, but let me just take it at face value and determine where in the equation does it belong? And then whatever's left over, how do I not see this money as great, I can spend this amount on a shopping spree on a cafe this weekend, because I don't really shop like that. I was able to, to determine that the money left over wasn't for me to spend, but was for me to save. So I started thinking about money long term and what money could do for me tomorrow versus today. How did that feel because I feel like some people's hesitation in just talking right is like talking to them is like yeah but I want to I want to spend or that's too restrictive now you're telling me I can't have you know I don't know go to brunch like how did that feel for you in terms of like that shift in mindset at first it felt saddening I'd say right because like you can't get what you want I think that's a real feeling that like you get pleasure from the instantaneous things. Um, and that's a part of our, our culture. So it felt a little abrasive to, to experience it and like do it to yourself, you know, like you're imposing something on yourself. But eventually, once I started, one, grounding it in the vision that we had set during our first call, and then two, reminding myself and reminding others of my vision and or my goals, it became exciting to me. And it, it meant that, so to ground in, in my vision meant that like, I wanted fluidity and freedom and I wanted to be established. So in order to be established, you need to like save for a down payment. I mean, at that time I had a, I had a house already, but you needed to save for the renovations to this house, or I needed to save to buy an airplane ticket with cash, not credit, to be able to take that trip pre-COVID and have the freedom that I that I wanted to have. So yeah, to me, it was exciting. And it got to a point, you know, where I would tell my friends and my family like, yeah, so my, my budget for the month doesn't account for that. Like I only have $14 and 38 cents left for fun. Um, and it's January 27th. So like, let's see each other on February 3rd, maybe. <laughs> Just so everybody had accountability too. <laughs> 
Oh, that's hysterical. What goals have you actually like achieved and accomplished since we started working together? Oh my God, so many. So first of all, you would just laugh at me about my spreadsheet, my budget. You're like, I don't even know what's going on in that budget anymore. (laughs) I went from a yearly budget. I have an annual budget, but then I also have a quarterly budget just based on like my quarterly goals. So that's a big one, right? And just fluency with that budget, being able to manipulate those numbers on my own and being empowered to make decisions about where the money is going to go penny by penny. I mean, also not living paycheck to paycheck. We should say again for any listeners that I'm no longer a 1099, I'm a W-2. So that changes the game just a little bit. But even as a W-2 in my past, I live paycheck to paycheck. I have a savings account that's filled with a savings goal. I look at that spreadsheet and have weekly money dates. But I would say that it's not even structured anymore as weekly. It's just like, I think about my money and I'm like, where can I move things? How can I make this happen? So it's just frequent money dates. And then I remember maybe like the first month that we worked together, you were like, Lourdes, you're going to buy something at Lowe's that costs this amount. Like, do you have the money for that? And I was like, no, I'm going to put it on my Lowe's credit card, you know, and we were working on paying off debt. And that became really, really important to me that if I use a credit card, I am going to pay off that debt and or have a plan to pay off that debt pretty quickly. And so an example of this is I had to get some foundation work recently. It came up to about $6,000. And like any person might think like $6,000, whoa, right? But I built in time to actually... So I, I used a credit card for it, first of all. And then I've now paid off at its first like payment... 3,700 of it. So I'm like, well, on the way to paying it off and have a plan for for that, even though it's on credit and I don't have the the full amount for it. I think the other thing, Kina, that I want to like brush my shoulders off for is <laughs> the group B on my NoNet yes. account, right? You were waiting for that if one. Y'all, if y'all don't get ready, this group B is Lourdes is like number one. <laughs> Of course. <laughs> I should have started off with that. One. I know. I was like, where is group B? Because we couldn't <laughs> even have this conversation until like group B was in order. <laughs> that is true. I wanted to brag. I'm just really proud because when we started, I was just paying whatever Nelnet told me to pay on a monthly basis. And then, of course, unfortunately, COVID happened. But what sprung from that was the CARES Act. And the realization that what there's no interest for a whole like couple of months and you're not expecting me to pay. And so because I was fortunate enough to have a full time job, because I was approaching very vigorously the goal of eliminating student debt, I was able to attack my group B, which was about 18K. And I paid all of that off in a matter of nine months. Congratulations. I know that that was huge. And now she's rolling that money into, I don't remember the next letter or number, but I think it's like a testament to, I feel like in the couple moments ago, we were talking about you get a $6,000 check and you're really excited and you want to go do these things. And in the moment, it feels like very restrictive. But once you actually start to think about like, 
how else can this money align with like where I desire to go, what my values are, what my goals are. You get to do something as incredible for yourself as like, I get to pay off $18,000 worth of student loan debt. And so like, how does that make me feel in terms of my belief in me being good at money, but then also in like the stress cycle of like being in debt and feeling like I'm never going to get out of this cycle, which I will also underscore, like you paid that off while also like, oh, there's a foundation issue at my house. Like I got to figure out a plan for that. But I wasn't with you when you were making all those decisions, but I would imagine because of how you've shifted the way you like think about money, like nobody wants to pay $6,000 in foundation work, but you have the skill set to say like, okay, it's $6,000. What can I do to get that paid off? What's a logical plan that still keeps me in alignment of like where I desire to go? Yep. I can take this like zero interest credit card and I can like pay it off. But like, you're able to, to think clearly without being in like this fog about what you're supposed to do. Yeah. That resonates just like when the stress was eliminated because I had the tools, I had the know-how, I had the confidence to make those decisions, then possibilities opened up. It wasn't that I didn't have money for this. It was like, where can I find the money for this? And that's where the quarterly budget comes in for me. So like right now I am paying the minimum payment for group A student loans because I want to pay off this credit card that I use for the foundation. And then come March is back on. (laughs) I love it. Something else you talked about earlier when you were introducing yourself was just like having the thought that you didn't have the discipline to budget. I hear that a lot. I spoke with someone on like, spoke to my client, Dana, and literally out of her mouth came like, I'm disciplined, which she also, I think, in the beginning, thought that like, I've tried this before, and I'm just not disciplined. And I don't know how budgeting is going to work for me. I guess I don't know what the question is. But I want to be like, how did you acquire or shift that mindset? Like, when did those things change for you? Yeah, I know myself to be a disciplined person. And it's when I'm able to put structure, I'm able to feel confident in something. I feel like I'm learning and growing and trying to achieve a specific goal. So I, I kind of knew that like, being able to hire an amazing coach and get coaching on this meant that like, I will build that discipline. I'm a former athlete. I I played volleyball in high school. And the only way that I was able to to develop discipline in that sport is through years and years of of coaching. And so I, I apply that like mindset around someone can support me and help me. And also from the outside, from this external perspective, tell me what is it that I'm missing? Because you don't know what you don't know. And you were able to illuminate the things that I I didn't know about my financial literacy or my financial mindset. So I think I came into our, our coaching sessions knowing that like, it will develop over time. I just need to like build that muscle and get some support in building that muscle. I love that. I I speak to that a lot with people and like, it's the coaching, it's the accountability and support. What's been, I guess, like in working together, what what are the best resources that have helped you the most along the way? Yeah. So in relation to your other question, I was thinking about the book Atomic Habit. So often we would talk about like, what books are you reading or podcasts are you listening to or like relative financial literacy resources? 
And while Atomic Habits isn't about money per se, it is about discipline and mindset and building habits and how you do that through cues and or other strategies that James Clear talks about. That was one of the first books that you introduced me to, and I loved it. And I think that we started to develop our own cues within our work. So I had a million and one calendar reminders about any bills that weren't on auto pay. I had a calendar reminder for my weekly money dates that now like aren't necessary, right? Because the habit has been formed and the mindset has been shifted. I love that. This is a little bit of a shift. And thinking about in the beginning, you talked about like scarcity mindset, thinking like you didn't have enough money, just thinking about like where you were in terms of like growth and possibilities for yourself. So our work together was definitely around like, let's create a budget, which I think it goes so much deeper than that. But like what other areas of your life have like developed and evolved because you got your finances together? Yeah, that's such a great question. I'm going to try and answer it. It's such a good question. I'm like, what other areas? So I think that like one, I got a puppy. I think that's a big one because I would always say like, I don't want to pay for dog food, the vet, pet insurance, like there's so many costs that come to having a puppy or or having a dog. But what I wasn't seeing is like, what is the value of that puppy? Right. So like, instead of complaining about the financial costs of something, really seeing that item or that thing or its value and its worth and what it can bring to the vision that you have for your life. I'm not so sure it fits into any of the the values that I mentioned earlier, but this pup is really special. I'm hoping to train him, or I'm sorry, her. I don't even know why I just confused. (laughs) I'm looking to train Jicama for diabetic scent training. And so she's not going to be like a full-blown diabetic alert dog, but she is going to be able to sense when I have a low blood sugar. So for your listeners, I'm type one diabetic. And one of my, you know, biggest values is, is health, just like ensuring that my health for today and tomorrow is taken care of. And I would say that I've grown in that way too, Kina, that because my financials were set, I went from this mindset of like, I hate like, having to spend all this money on diabetes, insulin costs are soaring high. Insurance when I was at 1099 was close to $500 a month and paying out of pocket just felt draining every single time. Two, how do I now use my money and leverage it to support better health and even like feeling good about giving this new diabetes coach or this new virtual retreat for diabetes X amount of money, because I know that that's like one investing in me and then two super, super valuable. So again, it's like not about how much I'm spending. It's how much I'm investing in, in me and my, my future. Which I think is like a a simple shift, but it's a radical shift in how you think about money. And I remember very early on that like health was something important to you, which I think showed up in like how you spent money at the grocery store. Right. But like, I want to be putting great things into my body. So I feel like you had a bigger, you're one of my clients who has like a bigger grocery budget. And I think you, 
I think it was you that like sent me a text message. It was like this family in New York is spending like some amount of money. I don't even remember what it was, but I would say that a, a lot of my clients actually want to make health a priority. And so they do have like some bigger grocery budgets. I have a client right now that's like, I'm going to start growing herbs because it's directly correlated to my health. And so I think one of the things that I want people to know is going back to the values and goals. Like you can, I personally feel like you can have more freedom and less like almost where you're like shaming yourself because you're doing these things when you actually have a a spending plan and you're like, okay, yep. This right here, like you said, like this is attached to like investing in myself. This is for my health. And you have a clear why behind how you're spending your money. And it also allows you to do the other things. Like I know when the world back opens back up, like Lourdes is going to travel and I'll see her on Instagram, wherever she is, or like at a concert, but like all of those things are like balanced in I think how you choose to spend your money. Yeah. And that last word there is so big choice. You are choosing at the front end when you're creating that, that budget, I'm choosing to spend X amount of money. I won't say how much for my food budget, but (laughs) this amount of money for my food budget. And it's only me. You should tell them. I think like, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. That goes into shame. You should just say it. Yeah. There's no, so it's four hundred. I've reduced it because I wanted to put more money towards my student loans. That that was like another choice that I made during the pandemic. But so yeah, now it's at, I think, 300 and that's just for groceries, 350 for groceries, 300 for eating out per month. So a total of 650, it used to be around 850. So somewhere that $200 is now allocated to other places. I think the not shaming, but just a reflection that I continuously have is how do I get better at utilizing the eating out budget for the things that I actually want? Like my why again, because oftentimes it will be like, I don't know that I go get a dessert (laughs) and I I don't actually want a dessert, right? Like emotionally I may want it, but financially it's not aligned to to my why. So I, I think that this process is exciting because it allows you to reflect on your values so often, as long as you make that shift into like bringing the why into every expense and every, every purchase. And I think you're speaking to something like that, right? You started at 850 and it was like, that's what you decided in your number. But you also spoke earlier about like flexibility. And as you learn yourself from one month to the next, from one week to the next, you get to ask yourself, like, is this still how I want to be spending my money? Do I need to increase or decrease? Because I know a lot of people get stuck with, well, I said I was going to spend $100 on groceries and I've been spending 120 So my question is like, well, do we just need to make it 120 Right? So instead of like fighting yourself, maybe it is that I make that 120 and then I shift some other numbers around because like, that is actually a reflection of what I'm doing. Or on the flip side of that, like, oh, I thought I was going to use $500 on groceries, but I've really been about like 400 every single month. So I'm going to shift that down and reallocate and repurpose that, that money. But knowing that when you do have a relationship with your money, it creates that agency for you. You can flip-flop your numbers and do what you want, right? And you don't have to give up when you're like, oh, I had a bad week and everything is is done. It's like, no, it's not. 
just identify where like you feel like you messed up and what needs to shift next week. A hundred percent agreed. Yeah. Oh, earlier I was thinking about being in alignment with your goals too. I know you bought a house early on. You like had a roommate at one point and like now you're living on your own, but even just like being able to have that freedom for yourself where you get to opt in and opt out of like whatever serves you best. Because once again, going back to like the ownership and confidence with your numbers and like, I'm excited for you in the role that you got, because I know we talked like about salary before you actually uh, like applied to different roles and like what could different salaries provide for you and really like tapping into like that abundance. And I very strongly believe in like, no, you need to charge the value that you bring to that organization. So I'm excited for you, like I said, to be at a job that like, I think you got what you wanted and you got to shift from that 1099 to W2 life because that also meant being able to tap more into retirement as well. Yeah, I would also say, That was a choice too, because I was enjoying the 1099 life. I had sort of two ventures within within that period. So I was I was contracting with one company and another company, and the contract with the second company sort of fell fell out and and ended. And so I thought to myself, do I get another like part-time job or or contracts? Or do I start looking for a full-time job? So I, I think even that is a choice that I don't know that I would have thought about in the same way because I, I started to weigh the options of, well, for a full-time job, I could get full-time benefits and then I don't have to pay this $500 for, for health insurance. And what could I do with $500 per month now, right? So again, just so many... So many considerations went into that, that like were grounded in some financial considerations. So to wrap up our conversation today, Lourdes, what advice would you give to listeners who are in a similar situation? One of their goals might be to create a budget. Yeah, the first piece of advice I would give is to be patient with yourself and the process. I think it took us like, three or four sessions for me to finally understand like how all the numbers were connecting and why I needed to make choices about certain numbers. And yeah, just everything about that equation, that larger equation of money coming in, money going out, money that you now get to save, take some time to build fluency around and to then feel empowered to to do it on your own. Thank you. I love it. Is there anything that we didn't talk about that we should have? You're like, Keena, I wanted you to ask me this, or I had this down in my notes. I think to add to the advice is to be expansive in your exploration of the way that you spend money. I see a lot of posts, Keena, that you make, or maybe not a lot, but I've seen posts that you've made about how do you account for those things that like come up on an annual basis or on a frequent enough basis that you need to be thinking about those items? And I would say that that has been a savior within budgeting to be expansive and think about all the ways that you're spending money infrequently or frequently. And so 
Like there was a season this past year where a lot of my friends were getting married or having babies. And so I needed to then integrate an entire line item for wedding and baby showers. The Amazon Prime subscription, Dropbox hit me up with $150 the other day. And I was like, wait, what? (laughs) I didn't think of that one, but uh, car repairs, just all of these items that, again, can hit your pockets at random times, but you need to be thinking about them beforehand. It could really be a saving grace to have that just waiting in your budget. I love that you brought that up because it's so much, it creates so much ease. Amazon Prime is one that I started saving for in the last two years where I'm like, now I don't have to roll my eyes when you charge me $126. And getting away from that mindset of like, yeah, you have the money, but there's still like a pain that at least in my body, that I'm like, oh, I don't want to pay you $126 versus let me just set aside like, you know, $12 a month, whatever it is. And I would say like, similarly, it's like my Costco membership, just things that are smaller car registration. If you live in a state where like you have property taxes, if you own a car, which is my clients in Virginia, but yeah. Just, oh, North Carolina too. Yeah. But just like little things like that, where then when you get like windfalls of money, whether it's, you know, extra income or whatever that looks like, that's actually yours instead of like, oh, let me pay Amazon and Costco and whatever else it is. Begrudgingly. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for tuning in to this episode of Money Files. I hope that something that Lourdes said today resonated with you and is inspiring you to continue um, working on your relationship with money. If you are ready to dive deeper, you can go to wealthovernow.com and sign up for a consultation with me and we can talk about what possibilities there are for you in changing your relationship with money. Thank you for having me, Kina. Of course. I just love it that you made it to the end of this episode of Money Files. I hope some part of today's story resonated with you and showed you the power of coaching. Today, I'm inviting you to take the first step and book a one-to-one call with me. We'll discuss what you're hoping to achieve with your money, where you need support, and how I can help you reach your financial goals faster than you ever could alone. Go to www.wealthovernow.com and book a call. Once again, my name is Kina and thank you again for joining me. Also, stay tuned for the next episode.